for the safety, for your sanity, I am encouraging you to retreat to a higher ground where you and everyone around you understands what is asked of them to be in sacred space with you. And when people don't understand that, they can be on their own time to figure that out. But you do not have to be within harm's way. This is Sanctified, the Littest Church service where hot girls and holiness align. And we are your hosts. I'm Deborah Joy Winans. I'm a wife, a mother, an actor, but most importantly, I'm a lover. And I'm LaVon Briggs, Emmy Award winner, Joy Chaser, and a Queens girl. And when my old church asked me to wear stockings, I bought fishnets. And this is the kind of church that rocks with the Megan the Stallions just as much as the Mahalia Jacksons. On Sanctified, we center the testimonies of sisters who are figuring out their faith authentically. And we're going to ruffle some of the saints' feathers, y'all. But we will always leave you feeling affirmed and loved. You ready, LaVon? Let's go get them. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of Sanctified. And we are so happy that you're here with us today. Mm-hmm. Right now, we want to let you know this episode contains conversation about suicide. So please take care of yourself. Make sure you tap out if you need to for this episode. And this episode also mentions sex trafficking and coercion, which are both forms of sexual assault. So if that would be potentially harmful for you to hear, Maybe skip past the fellowship part of this episode. And I know that's a lot already, y'all. So let's just take a deep cleansing breath. Big inhale in. Hold it. Exhale audibly out of your mouth. And let's walk through this together. So today we're talking about creating sacred spaces. And in order to help us get a better understanding of what exactly is a sacred space and how do we even create a sacred space, Let's look at the meaning of the word sacred. Sacred, dedicated or set apart for the service or worship of a deity. Devoted exclusively to one service or use as of a person or purpose. Highly valued and important. Worthy of religious veneration. Entitled to reverence and respect. Okay, we got a whole bunch. Which one of these definitions, Deborah Joy, stands out to you for sacred? I really love the entitled to reverence and respect. Honey, that was the one for me. Right? It lets you know it doesn't have to be inside the four walls of a church. Whatever becomes sacred to you, something that is worthy of that respect and that reverence can be sacred. That entitled to, it did something in my Shondo because it means that we are worthy of being considered sacred, that it is our birthright, that there's nothing that we need to do or be or say to achieve it. We're entitled to it just because we're God's daughters. Like, mm, that feels good. It really does. It's funny because we're always looking for ways to prove instead of recognizing that we are enough. You know? Clap, clap. Where's my tambourine, child? Okay, so LaVon, what are some of the ways that you have been able to create a sacred space outside of the four walls? 
That is such a great question. Now, you may or may not know about these hats that I've worn, DJ, but in the early 2000s, I was... You have many hats. You have many, many many hats. And I love hearing about them. I was a spoken word artist and a slam poet, and I went by Proverbs. That was my name out in these poetry streets. And so the name followed me off stage and people would call me that just like in life. And so when I started teaching spin classes in the Bay Area, my spin classes were known as the proverbial experience after my name Proverbs. That's cute. You're not coming to spin class. You come into the proverbial experience. I'm going to motivate you. You're going to work really hard. You're going to encourage each other. You're going to hear bomb ass music. And you're going to have me there guiding you. So that was one way that I created Sacred Space. And then for folks who've been following me online, I actually planted an Instagram church when uh, we first started sheltering in place in 2020. And so that too was called the proverbial experience. And so holding church virtually on a platform that I use quite a bit, (laughs) that was another way to really bring technology and faith together. It felt very 21st century. I love that. But of course, that's what Black women do. We find the spaces we need and we create them. I know, that's right. So how have you created sacred space? I think the thing that I love is that you can make a sacred space anywhere you need. I think wherever I go, I try to make sure I'm making a place for what I feel like God has me to do just in this world. It's not necessarily just being in front of the camera, but it's being on set. It's making sure people feel love from me wherever I go. My trailer is always going to be sacred. You don't bring no foolishness up in there. There is peace in there. There is prayer in there. There is love in there. And so making sure that's a place where I can go and feel the presence of God, but also wherever I am, there's got to be a place that feels worthy of respect and reverence. And entitled to. And entitled to. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So it's like, you know, it's the simple things. I can always find myself inside of a church. I love gathering. I love hearing the word of God. I love hearing worship. Mm -hmm. But I think we forget the simple things in life sometimes that wherever you are, it can be sacred. It can be. And I think we are just a part of a grand tradition of Black women who've been creating our own sacred spaces, whether it's because we were coming against patriarchy and sexism and misogynoir in the church, and we just needed to tell our stories, right, with people who would see us and celebrate us. And so that's why when we go to the hair salon, we're telling our stylists all the tea. Yes. Snapping beans at the kitchen table, and you getting the tea about the lady down the street, right? Yes. High key, we started going to brunch instead of church, some of us. (laughs) And bottomless mimosas became a part of our testimony service. 100% agree. I think that because we as Black women have had to be so creative about finding the time and space that we need to let go and be free and not be judged and know that we're enough, the, you're correct. The, the hair salon became that place. And you don't mind being there for four hours. You know, I'll come home and my husband's like, it took you that long to just get a wash and blowout? And did. Well, see, here's the thing. It did because there's <laughs> conversation. There is love. There's laughter. There's understanding. There's prayer. There's lunch breaks. There's so many things that happen. Look, there's we going to order some coffee. Y'all want some croissants? We're going to have a mimosa. You know, we do 
that stuff. And I think I've learned, even as I've gotten older, that even girl trips, I didn't realize how important they were to just get with your girls. Those are sacred spaces. Yes. To just be with your people, people that love you no matter what, that understand you. Those are sacred spaces. So don't neglect your girlfriends. Ooh, DJ. That's so good because when I think about the ritual of girls' night out, when I think about how you have that date on the calendar and the group chat is lit, right? So that's like the prayer before service. We in the group chat. What am I wearing, girl? What you wearing? What's the dress code? What's the vibe? And then like folks come over and we pregame and we're playing Beyonce or reggae or soca or whatever. And then we get dressed and we're on one accord and that's holy. Mm -hmm. It is very sacred. My Bible says we're two or three, huh? Are gathered in my name. Hallelujah. There I am in the midst. Yeah, 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 yeah. And be intentional about giving yourself that space with your girls, with yourself. Be intentional about making sure you create that peace, that reverence, that respect around who you are. Because you are worthy. You are entitled. Ashe and amen. And you know what that makes me think of, DJ? It makes me think of intimacy. When you said intentionality, my definition of intimacy is intentionality plus time. And we know life be lifing. We know we're still living through a global health crisis. So maybe physical gatherings aren't happening with the frequency that they did, you know, prior to 2020. There is something about the capacity of a sacred space to foster and nurture intimacy. And I think Black women are looking for places that are soft landing spots but also places where we'll be seen and held gently, right? Not asked to do something else, not asked to rescue somebody else, or but just to come and share and be seen and loved. Like that feels good to me too. Ultimately, what we want people to know is that you are worthy of a place where you can fully be who you are without any judgment, without any feelings of... Well, I can only do so much because I don't know if they will understand. None of that is involved in a space that is sacred. Mm -hmm. Just understanding that you are worthy of that and you are entitled to that. And you should be living a very authentic and freedom-filled life. And I think a lot of times going through life, there are so many myths and misconceptions about what can be sacred and what can't. We were taught that you had to dress a certain way, talk a certain way, be a certain way in the church house. And when I was a youth and young adult pastor and I saw how them babies were on Sunday morning and how them babies were Wednesday afternoon at school. And I was like, oh, your mama know you on Snapchat sticking your tongue out like this. What? You don't do this when you take a communion, honey. Right. So this idea that you have to be two separate people like that just leads to. People like to use this term cognitive dissonance, right? Where it's like these two competing ideas that have me wishy-washy, ping-ponging, seesawing back and forth. And so I feel like when you tell us that we get to show up authentically as who God created us to be, that means that the myth of sacred spaces only being created by a select few, but everybody can create sacred space. So I think that's the beautiful part. You, as a creation of God, are entitled to co-create with the creator, a sacred space that celebrates and affirms you. Absolutely. And I think you learn as you go through life, 
what kind of sacred space you need. That's good, DJ. It can be created as you go. And sometimes the space that you need may shift and change in accordance with who you are and how you're evolving and growing. Because the way I got to Seton Hall University in New Jersey and fell in line with these born-again Christians, and they're like, Jesus, 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 Jesus. And I was like, I am a Christian. I'll act like y'all. And I was like, I needed that moment of being saved, sanctified, Holy Ghost filled, fire baptized, and on fire for Christ and all of that because that part of my faith journey informs who I am today. So while I may not identify as a conservative fundamentalist, you know, the Bible is the inerrant word of God type of Christian, that phase of my life helped me to become who I am today. And so I think Black women, especially in this new season, get to embrace all the past versions of ourselves. Because what I'm thinking about sacred spaces is that however we were showing up back then, God was meeting us there. And so that too was sacred. You can bring all of that with you. All of it. And it was beautiful. So you don't have to look back and think, no, it's part of your journey. You know, when I was a child, I acted like a child. When I was grown, I sort of put away childish things. I learned how I move in this era of my life. You know, we're not meant to be the same. We are meant to grow and evolve. God will give us what we need when we need it. Right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I felt on my journey that as I started to grow in certain areas around my body, my sensuality, my sexuality, I learned that there were certain spaces that just didn't have the capacity to hold me. It didn't mean they weren't sacred. It just mean it wasn't sacred and big enough for me. And so I have borne witness to Black women who are saying, this space isn't big enough to hold me or this space isn't soft enough to hold me. I'm going to go over here and carve out this space myself to the point where it resonates with other folks who are on that same vibration. And I'm thinking of being a part of a group that has been historically marginalized and how we had to create those spaces in order to survive and thrive. I'm thinking of Black folks. I'm thinking of our LGBTQ plus kin. I'm thinking of ballroom culture. Just thinking about how queer folks left the spaces, homes, churches, shit, maybe even schools. I'm not queer, so I don't know for sure, but just going based on what I have seen, whether it was a television show like Pose or whether it was uh, the Clock app and seeing all the queer folks celebrating Renaissance and reclaiming it because there's a lot of ballroom culture there. We have been on the sidelines for far too long. And we, especially our LGBTQ plus kin, are centering ourselves and saying, nah, we are going to co-create our sacred space from the ground up. And it's going to cause even more liberation beyond this community. And so that's been super inspiring to see through ballroom culture. It is inspiring. And I think that it lets everyone know that whoever you are, wherever you are, you are worthy of an authentic life filled with love and beauty and freedom. And you go where you find it and God will meet you there or you create it. Y'all, we are so honored and proud to have today's testifier. She is an Emmy Award nominated actress, acclaimed both on screen and on stage per 
a human rights advocate, trans tech founder, philanthropist, writer, producer, musician, and an all-around beautiful soul. Y'all, Angelica Ross's story is so inspiring, and her testimony is full of rejection, perseverance, resilience, and she has forged a spiritual path that has allowed her to go from merely surviving to thriving. After a tender childhood where some of her family, some of her church, some of society rejected who she was, she has been able to grow and heal and evolve and transform, specifically through embracing Buddhism, which has helped her to heal her relationship with herself, her mother, and her community. And so now let's hear from the incomparable Angelica Ross. My name is Angelica Ross, and this is my testimony. When I think about sacred space, I think the first thing that comes to mind is what is the admission price to these spaces? And for me to have community with someone or with a group of people, that admission price is accountability. Because how can you call a space sacred if you're not accountable to maintaining it to be sacred? And you can't do that if you don't have an understanding of the people that you are inviting into your environment, into your space. Hands down, the biggest defining moment for me has been discovering Buddhism. It has drastically changed the perspective on my life. I was greeted with elderly Black women with either shaved heads or gray locks. They just see this Black girl coming to the center And then as they learn who I am and that I am trans, they begin to embrace me even tighter because there's this understanding that you were created for a great purpose. I grew up in the Pentecostal church. And so the understanding of myself that was handed to me was one that was traumatizing me. It was poisoning me from the inside out because it got to a point where the preacher didn't need to preach to me. My mama didn't need to look at me with her disappointment. I was disappointed in myself. I was hating myself. I went from being suicidal, not valuing my life, to completely becoming a valuable contribution to our society because I have recognized my value. The moment that I realized I was going to have to take responsibility for myself and my life was really at an extremely young age. And I think that sometimes a lot of kids unfortunately come to this realization that my parents aren't as equipped (laughs) as I would hope to be able to take care of me or to have the capacity to love me unconditionally you kind of get snapped out of this fairy tale place, especially when now you're starting to look for somewhere to live because you can no longer live at home. So I had to have a deeper awakening of that responsibility. And that came with a Buddhist practice because I didn't have the tools before. Once I was introduced with the Buddhist practice and it kind of showed me that everything that I'm looking for is within and that what I'm chanting to is in essence, it's a mirror. And the more that I chant and align myself 
with the source. It's like me taking some Windex and a paper towel and cleaning off that mirror so that I can see myself to know who is it that I need to become. I have been in some of the lowest places, but there is growth after that. And everything that you need is not only within you, but it's really just waiting for you to take responsibility for the gift of your life. My name is Angelica Ross, and that is my testimony. Now don't go away. We are about to fellowship with the one and only Angelica Ross up next. Angelica Ross, welcome to the show, beloved. Thank you. Thank you for having me. We are so glad that you are here. Your testimony was so beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your transparency. Thank you for the accountability. I heard that word, child. And thank you for sharing the spiritual parts of yourself. So as we're focusing on your spiritual journey today, what is the most important lesson your spiritual journey has taught you about yourself as a Black woman? The greatest lesson has been both to recognize my strength and wonder being a Black woman, my magic of being a Black woman, my ability, while also respecting that I am too human, that also every gift that I have and that I am should also be respected and honored by myself and by everyone. And, you know, so just because Black women can save the world doesn't mean that I'm showing up with my cape. And that is something that my spiritual practice has just blessed me with. Evangelist Karen White said, I'm not your superwoman. Hello. Yes, she did. Yes, she did. Okay. Woo! I love that you said you have to take responsibility for the gift of your life. And when you got into Buddhism, you understood that along with creating peace within yourself first. I think for a lot of people, I know me in particular, growing up, you do look outward and try to figure out why someone's not doing this the proper way or placing a lot of blame on others because the hardest reflection is seeing you. How long did it take you to really start looking inside and creating that peace inside that would eventually be reflected outside? I'm 42 now. So at 25, I had this aha moment. And the aha moment was the fact that I was with this man that I absolutely loved, but we were living what we call a stealth life. So meaning no one could tell I was trans from the outside. He's not, he doesn't want to claim me out in the public. Meanwhile, over here on my side, I'm not all the way together neither. It's just that his issues are overshadowing probably you know, me to look at my own things. And so when I went into therapy and started talking about the relationship and him and the way things weren't going and blah, 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 she got me to realize that I was waiting on him to have the courage and the ability to tell his family, no, she's not pregnant and checking up with me. She's actually trans. And to also be honest that 
I actually proposed to her and, you know, want to marry her sort of situation. And so I was wearing a ring and engaged, but like keeping it a secret. It wasn't until I realized, wait, I'm waiting on him to make a decision when I'm a grown person who could also make a decision. At the end of the day, it has to get clear that if you're looking for a decision to be made, that you have every bit of power to make a decision that will shift and change the situation. So what are the boundaries that you feel like you have had to put in place to protect that peace and that joy that you have found? Before I could get to a place of setting those boundaries correctly, I think that I had to correct my understanding of peace and the price of peace and understand that I'm not the only one that needs to pay that price. You know, before creating those boundaries, you realize that a lot of people bring their drama to your doorstep and many times want to make it your problem. And sometimes that's a man talking about, you know, be my peace. You got to be your own peace and I, and I've got to be my own peace. And so understanding that then when it comes to the boundaries, I know who I am. I know the gifts that I was given. And I know that I fully offer these gifts to other people. I'm offering the wisdom. I'm offering, whether it's trans tech and the environment that I've created to help people learn technical skills and what have you, but no dollar that I give, no opportunity, really. Nothing that I can give you can be more substantial than what you ultimately can give yourself. I have boundaries around what people demand of me. I can't let you place demands on me. It's an offering. Angelica, I love the significance of boundaries in your life. My therapist once told me, you never know who you're fucking with until you implement a boundary. (laughs) And I love that you have learned where can I protect my peace so that I can show up with my wisdom And I can actually show up with the offerings that the creator has allowed me to share with the world. And of course, as a Black, trans, creative woman, all of those identities are going to be in the room with you at the same time. So it's no wonder that you show up as an advocate. It's no wonder that you show up as an activist. Also, and when you no longer have to show up as the activist, capital A, Tell us your dreams as an artist. Leave the resistance alone for a second. Honestly, I'm starting to live that dream. I'm living my dream as an artist. And what that's looking like is, you know, I grew up in church. I grew up under the understanding, let everything that hath breath, you know, praise the Lord, the the trumpets, the, you know, all the things that we're having. And so like I approach music from a spiritual place so much so that I can't even control it. When I experience intense emotion, creative, something spills out of me. And so being trans and feeling oppressed and feeling like I didn't have access to those things and having to survive and not being able to thrive, like I got kind of pushed off that path. 
And I'm just very grateful that I'm back on my own path. I'm back creating music. I'm back doing those things. But it came from me taking it back for myself. It came from me not putting a monetary value on that sacred space, but saying that this is my health. Because I am this gift, I actually need to participate in this way even to feel healthy. I'm an actor. Can't wait for my next role and those uh, wonderful things. It's going to be great. But I'm not going to sit here and stress out with Hollywood about who's going to say yes to me next. And I'm not going to wait for a moment to be able to call myself an artist or a creator or whatever. So my dream is to be able to create music. And for me, that is sometimes as an artist and I'm going to be releasing music. And sometimes that's me writing music for other artists. I play piano. I love collaborating with other people. So I just want to be in the room. I want to be using the gift that I know that I have. That's my dream beyond monetary value, beyond the resistance, beyond all these things is, was I able to make music today? Those BGVs, those oohs. Yes. But I know, Deborah, you got that voice though. (laughs) (laughs) Look, let me tell you something. I am 100% with you in recognizing using our gifts and using them in the way that we were intended to use them. I'm so excited for your future because you are creating a space that allows people to be their authentic selves and not care what anybody else thinks or says. And so I want to know what was the moment where you realized Let me try to create this space for others coming after me so that they don't have to, you know, wait until 25 or for me, 32, 33 to realize they are enough. Somewhere along the line, you know, I just started getting this reflection and this conversation around value. And it just is one word that just unlocked so much for me and in such a profound way that I had to pass it on because part of it was about reconciling with my own understanding of my journey and forgiving myself and understanding what was really happening. And to understand that I started out in the space, unfortunately, in an environment where I wasn't as valued as I should have been as a gift, as a child. And so that narrative continued where when I came out and, you know, again, going through my having family reject you and all these different things. And then me understanding in hindsight that I was sex trafficked into the adult industry and realizing that in hindsight and not that I was just some bad person that just ended up in these spaces. It was more that after a while of me applying for jobs with an ID that conflicted how I was presenting after being found out or something on a job after, you know, all of these different situations, I was being told, what else are you going to do? They going to fire you from the job as soon as they find out that you're trans. What else are you going to do, girl? And so I'm thinking this is the only value I have. So it's how much per client? Okay. And then at some point doing that job, you know, realizing, hmm, actually, no, uh, no, uh, make it 250. And then saying, okay, make it 350. And then saying, actually, 
you it ain't no price that you can pay for me and my space and my energy, but it is a lesson. And honestly, when I quit doing sex work and started doing like graphic design and coding and things like that on that side and charging people prices to do that, you know, I was a freelance entrepreneur and which anybody knows about being an entrepreneur, that's it's shaky. You know, you're, you're building your own business. So coming up, you know, it wasn't stable for me as a black trans woman. So once this nonprofit came to me with this idea of helping them with an employment program, I was going to help them develop a job development program specifically for trans people. This was in 2012. I didn't have the degree for the job. I didn't have the qualifications, but my community had put my name in the hat as being one who's the most qualified for something like that. And so I ended up getting the job, even though they did not want to really hire me because I didn't have the qualifications that they wanted. They offered me the healthcare and the $35,000 a year salary. It was the first kind of stable check I had gotten with healthcare. And I was being tokenized on this job in a way where I ended up quitting that job, telling them to keep that money and realizing that I would have to start over from the bottom and show them what my value was, that it was way more than $34,000. Way more. There's no price on you. <laughs> you know, and I want to honor because you you shared a lot and I want you to know that we see you and I and thank you for sharing that part of your story with us. That is going to help so many women <laughs> who have found themselves either being trafficked or in situations where it's a transactional nature and I do believe that as we continue to share our stories, we are co-creating sacred space for other Black women to heal as well. And you have opened up so many tender topics today. And I would be remiss <laughs> if I didn't stand in my power as a minister and say that on behalf of hell-adjacent Christians <laughs> who have harmed you because of who you are, who you love. I apologize. You are created in the image and likeness of God. God rejoices over you with singing and you are indeed the apple of God's eye. And so for you and for our LGBTQ plus kin who are listening, we see you. And so understanding that there are a lot of people who need to hear those words day in and day out. Angelica, what advice do you have for those whose full identities are not accepted by the people closest to them, even in their faith spaces. Yes. And again, thank you for that. And, you know, I recently had the experience of being able to have Kurt Franklin say that, all, you know, the same words as I was on his, his podcast, good words. You know, what I would say to other LGBTQ folks or really anyone who is struggling with people in their environment, there's different stories in the Bible and, and definitely in a Buddhist text where it talks about, different sages or angels being in an environment and then having to remove themselves from that environment for a while because of the way that the people did not value their presence. And sometimes you might have to do that. I had to do that for 10 years before me and my mother actually became close. We did not speak for 10 years. I said to myself, I can't respect her because I started cussing her out because she was disrespecting me and I didn't want to be in a place as a child that's, you know, cussing at their mother. So it was like, okay, since we can't respect each other, I'm creating distance. But, you know, even now to speak on current affairs of what's going on now, I have a song that um, I'm going to be releasing with Terrell Carter called Higher Ground. And, you know, we're talking about 
basically realizing love is not being served at the table and that we need to sometimes remove ourselves. And so there's so much education out there that people can now just hit play. People are being willfully ignorant at this point. And so for the safety, for your sanity, I am encouraging you to retreat to a higher ground where you and everyone around you understands what is asked of them to be in sacred space with you. And when people don't understand that, they can be on their own time to figure that out. But you do not have to be within harm's way. That's beautiful. That's the admission price to being in that sacred space. You have to understand my value. Yes. Oof. Yeah. Angelica, thank you for spending time. I really appreciate any time that I'm able to fellowship, especially with Black women, because there is so much misunderstanding and disconnection, especially between uh, trans women and women who are not trans. I think the more that we are able to fellowship and understand each other, the more we'll realize that we're more alike than we are actually different. We're all here to be uniquely the women that we are and be celebrated and honored and valued for that. That's the benediction right there. Thank you. You are wonderful. I think that you are showing people what it means to really, truly be the love of God. And that is my biggest thing. I want people to feel the love of God when they come up in this space. And I pray that that is what you felt. I pray that you have been enveloped in that and you have certainly given it. And I really do thank you. I definitely have felt it. So thank you both. Yay! You're worthy, beloved. We're going to take a short break, but coming up next, it's offering time. So before we get to the offering, we have some church announcements real quick, real quick, y'all. We're so grateful for all the love that you have been showing sanctified. It is affirming. It is fulfilling. And we want to continue to build and welcome more of you into the sanctified audience. And so let's do a couple things real quick for us. If you can hit the follow button so that you are notified of everything that we are doing over here in the sanctified community, that would be amazing. And you know what else would be amazing? rating us on the Spotify app, tap the star, give us five of them things, okay? Five of them, please and thank you. And tap the bell so that you are notified as soon as a new episode is released because we coming in hot, y'all. And we want to make sure that you know and that you are able to be a part of it. All right, that's it for our church announcements, child. Let's get into the offering. Yes. You don't got to take out no money, child. We are bringing affirming words to you. Yes. So my offering for today is twofold. The first is to Black folks. Y'all, our homophobia, queerphobia, transphobia, I'm telling you, if we just deal with that, if we heal beyond that, the way we are going to show up in even more beauty and more power and more love, I just... Don't be willfully ignorant in the year of our Lord, Beyonce 2023. And then my second offering is really around getting curious as opposed to just immediately trying to reject something because it's not Christianity, right? Buddhism is a religion and philosophy 
that developed from the teachings of the Buddha, which in Sanskrit means awaken one in 6th century BC. But today, there are over 520 million followers. So Buddhism is currently the world's fourth largest religious tradition. So that means that we have a lot of Black women who are turning to Buddhism. And I think we want to show community and love and care by respecting and acknowledging different spiritual paths. So today for me, Deborah Joy Winans, as I sit here, I will add one word that Angelica used frequently that was big, was value. When you understand the gift of your life, the value of your life, you are able to begin to create the sacred space that you need. And it is okay to take a step back from those that don't understand. As long as you understand your value, as long as you understand the gift that you are and you create that sacred space, you will move mountains. You will be the light that people need to see and they'll see it in time. And some people are not going to adjust the best when you start implementing boundaries. That's okay. You're not responsible for any other grown person. And I really feel like Angelica affirmed that today. So here at Sanctified, we also know that sometimes these tender conversations can be triggering, can bring up some feelings, and we want to make sure that you're supported. So if you have a trusted confidant, if you have a mental health care provider, we encourage you to check in with them. We'd also like to offer that if you or someone you know is contemplating suicide, you can call or text 988, and you can also visit 988lifeline.org. Know that we see you, we love you, and we're here for you. Thank you for joining us here on Sanctified. Today was a tender day, but a necessary day. And we pray that you leave here understanding your value and feeling the love of God and the love from us. All right, y'all come on back and get sanctified with us next week and bring a sister friend with you. Also email us at sanctified at unbotherednetwork.com to let us know what you'd like to hear us talk about. And remember, you are worthy. Sanctified is a Spotify original series produced in partnership with Jamel Hill's Unbothered Network. Lodge Freeway Media, and Exit 39. Hosted by Deborah Joy Winans and LaVon Briggs. From Unbothered Network, Lodge Freeway Media, and Exit 39, executive producers are Jamel Hill and Evan Dick. Head of content for Unbothered is Christina Tapper. Head of network operations is Rich Burner. Creative producer is Ashley J. Hobbs. From Spotify, executive producer is Christina Tapper. Creative executive is Grace Delia. Senior Program Manager is Jessica Dow. And Program Manager is Jenna Lonergan. Special thanks to all the cross-functional teams at Spotify that helped bring this program to life. This episode includes original music produced by Cheyenne G. New episodes of Sanctified come out every Wednesday, only on Spotify. So be sure to hit that follow button so you never miss an episode.